You're listening to AIB Market Talk with our latest financial market update. Hi, and welcome to our weekly AIB Market Talk and Brexit update on Tuesday, the 8th of October. My name is Paul Ward from our Customer Treasury Unit, and AIB's Chief Economist, Ollie Mangan, joins me to discuss all things Brexit, Mario Draghi's final act as ECB President, and what we can expect from the US Federal Reserve meeting this week. Ollie, if we can start with Brexit. Plenty of action yesterday in UK Parliament and would expect something similar today. Getting a withdrawal agreement in place or holding a general election, what is the most likely thing to happen at this stage? Well, I think uh, it looks like we're heading for a general election in December. Uh, we're here on Tuesday, so the, 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 it's expected legislation will go through Parliament this week uh, to allow for an early election. The date is still somewhat in doubt, but it's around somewhere between the 9th and the, uh, the 12th of December. Uh, both the Scottish National Party and the Liberal Democrats have come on board in terms of favouring an early election. This is against the background where the EU has granted another extension to Article 50 uh, out to the end of January. Now, the UK can leave at the beginning of any month, but it has to pass the legislation first. But the emphasis now for the government has changed in the UK to having an election rather than passing the legislation. So the Withdrawal Act has been more or less put on ice till after the election. Uh, and really what's been decided now is some agreement on what date that election will be. But we're heading for a pre-Christmas election in the UK. And you know that is going to be an absolutely critical election uh, in the sense that that will shape Brexit. Whoever wins that election um, will have the power to shape Brexit going forward. So obviously Boris Johnson has already indicated that he will campaign on the basis of his uh, agreement reached with the EU. Uh, Labour wants to remain in the customs union. The Liberal Democrats want to cancel Brexit altogether. So we're we're effectively having a Brexit general election here. Uh, And I say the outcome of that will determine the shape of Brexit going forward. Uh, the UK then has until the end of January, at the latest, to get its house in order in terms of what it wants to do in Brexit. Now, the EU has ruled out any further negotiations, but obviously, depending on what happens in that election, uh, will shape Brexit. Uh, I mean, we, we can take that as a given. The polls at present appoint to uh, a win for the Conservative Party, but we know from the previous UK election that the polls can change a lot uh, over the course of an election campaign. So I think... Uh, for listeners, what's off the table is uh, a crash out Brexit uh, at the end of this month. Uh, we're looking at a general election. And I would warn people as well. I mean, even if the UK leaves under the current uh, deal at the end of January and then we have the transition period, it still doesn't take a, what we call a type of hard Brexit off the table completely. Because remember what we have next year then is year long negotiations to get a trade deal done. Uh, and there's you know a lot of resistance within the uh, Conservative Party to uh, a trade deal, and still just want to leave. So I think uh, even though the UK will leave, uh, let's say at the end of January, let's say if the Tories won, there still will be a lot of uncertainty next year in terms of what shape Brexit actually takes. Because it's important to understand that when they leave, they leave with this transition period, which lasts until the end of next year. So people won't really notice as much difference, but things certainly will change then at the end of the transition period. Just to bear that in mind, at the end of two thousand twenty. Uh, and Ollie, then just in terms of the currency pair, so this morning it's opened up around 86p. So over the last couple of weeks, we have seen, I suppose, a sterling rally down to the level that it's at. So what's the expectation over the next couple of weeks and months? Yeah, well, I think you know, Brexit has been driving the currency in recent times. Um, you know, the, the markets make it, will probably keep a very close eye on the opinion polls in terms of the outcome of the election. Uh, our own view have been that sterling would rally towards, well, the euro fall back to around 86p in the event that we got a uh, a deal with the EU 
because of the fact that, that a lot of uncertainty will remain uh, even if that bill was ratified in January after the election we don't see much upside from stirring from here um, in the context of let's say the Conservatives win the election obviously if um, the outcome of the election pointed to a much softer Brexit will then Sterling may gain some, some more ground but you know, Brexit is bad news for the UK economy. There's no getting away from that. So there's no way we expected that it would retrace all the ground it lost three years ago after the vote and referendum for the UK to leave. So I think Sterling is, it's been you know very, very steady in the past week, despite all the uncertainty around the extension to Article 50, whether there's be an election. Now it looks like we're heading for an election. It still remains within very narrow ranges. Really 86 to 86.5p has been the range against the euro. And that's likely to remain the case uh, unless polls start to change in the UK. Um, so there's still, you know, Sterling is still quite vulnerable uh, in, or could be quite sensitive to opinion poll news. We saw it the last time, the way the election evolved. I think what Sterling would not like is a move or polls indicating actually we could be heading for another hung parliament and goodness knows where we're at then and they can't get a deal through and the EU could say we're not going to extend any further. That would lead to a you know, uh, even more uncertainty. So I think the opinion polls are probably going to be the most crucial uh, factor impacting Sterling in the next uh, month. Uh, and what the markets will be looking for is um, a decisive election outcome one way or the other. What we don't want to get into is another home parliament, uh, unable to agree on Brexit, risk of an old deal crash, uh, crash out again at the end of January, uh, and the, all the uncertainty that brings. So I think uh, you know, it's, it is... It will be the opinion polls and the election result itself that will drive Sterling over the next four to six weeks. Thanks, Ollie. If I can just drive the conversation on to central banks and market sentiment, I'm just going to make a statement here just to get your view. Um, markets seem to be adopting something of a more optimistic view in relation to the economic lo- outlook in recent weeks. What evidence have we witnessed to back this view? Well, we've seen very strong performance by stock markets in the last four to six weeks. We've also seen quite a marked rise in bond yields. So that's, you know, indications that risk sentiment has improved in markets, uh, investors moving out of stock markets into equity markets. And also what we're seeing is a scaling back of market expectations in regard to the amount of easing that they had been anticipating from central banks. Now, there's been no improvement in the data. I mean, we, we have preliminary or flash estimates for the PMI indicators for the services and manufacturing sectors in the US and the Eurozone last week. And these remain very weak. We see GDP figures this week for the third quarter, which are expected to be very weak out of the Eurozone and, you know, quite weak out of the US. The Eurozone economy will probably probably barely grew. I mean, maybe just 0.1% in the third quarter. In the US, we could see the weakest quarterly GDP figures for a number of years. That's for the third quarter. Uh, we're expecting, or the markets are expecting, quite a, a soft employment report towards the end of this week. So the data remained downbeat. I mean, we've even seen the IMF and the OECD scale back their forecasts in the last couple of weeks and, and emphasise again the downside risks to global growth. What we have seen is some progress in terms of um, the US-China trade talks, which have been a concern for markets and are weighing in growth. We some we we've got a Brexit deal. Uh, no, it hasn't been approved by the UK Parliament. So some of the downside risks that have been identified are weighing on sentiment. Uh, there's been some abatement of those risks. Now, they haven't completely evaporated or anything like that. And that may be, a, may be contributing to the um, 
improved sentiment in, and, in and markets. And would it be fair to say, Ollie, then that sentiment probably became a little bit overly negative? It could have. I mean, if you take the ECB, the expectation of markets two months ago was that rates could be cut all the way to minus 0.75%. Now, the, the, sorry, the ECB came along and cut rates last month by 10 basis points, reducing to minus 0.5%. The market's not even pricing in a further 10 basis point cut in rates. So I think most maybe five basis points, so very little further easing. Um, and in the States, there's been quite a scaling back in terms of market expectations for rate cuts. I mean, going back two months ago, they thought rates could fall to 1%. Uh, now we'll get, a, we, you know, the, East, the Fed's meeting this week, there's, it's fully expected that we will get a rate cut, bringing rates down somewhere between one5 to one three quarters percent You know, markets now think rates might get down to most, maybe one quarter percent you know. So the you know, markets have taken out a full quarter point cut uh, in the US in recent weeks and not really on the back of data. It may also be that, you know, divisions are emerging within central banks about further policies and we can see that in the ECB. A lot of, a, a lot of council members were very unhappy at the extent of policy uh, easing announced in September, the rate cut, the reintroduction of quantitative easing, more, more generous terms for liquidity operations. It was a very broad-based package of um, easing measures. So the feeling is it could be harder to get further easing measures through the council. The Fed is also quite divided about uh, cutting rates further. So I think what we'll see from the Fed this week, they're meeting tomorrow, uh, we'll, get, we'll get the statement tomorrow night, is that they, they'll cut, and that'll be the third consecutive rate cut in the US, but they may put rates and pause them for a number of months to see how the US economy performs, see whether the, the easing in policy uh, we've seen since mid-year begins to impact on activity, uh, seeing whether there is uh, further progress on the US-China trade talks. So central bankers themselves uh, have become divided on the extent of further policies. And I think, you know, we're, we're seeing that in markets. Maybe things are not as bad as people thought two or three months ago in terms of the outlook for the global economy. Uh, but it's 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 been surprising the extent of the rally in stock markets, the rise in bond yields, uh, given that really economic data haven't improved. Ollie, can I just ask you then, you, you mentioned the Fed, you mentioned the ECB, um, <clears throat> a changing the guard this week in terms of Christina Lagarde comes in, Mario Draghi steps off the pitch on the 1st of November. The question I want to ask you though, with that change uh, and some of the ramblings that went on coming out of the September meeting minutes, is that it, is it too early to say that the further easing may not happen now with the ECB or there's not really a change in tact? Well, the I, th- I think it's not so much the fact that President Draghi is stepping down at the end of his uh, full term and uh, we have a new ECB president. I think what markets are looking to is the divisions within the ECB council and that a lot of the members of the governing council were not happy with the policies and measures adopted in um, September. So the bar will be high in terms of further policies. And, and if we do get further policies, and I think it may be just limited to one rate cut. I think what's fair to say is that the ECB is off the pitch for now. In other words, they're going to assess the impact of the policies and measures on activity. Uh, policy is very much on hold. The statement on Thursday did say we retain an easing bias, so we will lose some policy further if it's required. But I think uh, any near-term action from the ECB is off the agenda for now. So if we are going to get a rate cut, it's probably going to be next spring before we see it. Ollie, one last thing then. Um, I just want to move back to the currencies very quickly, if you wouldn't mind. Euro-dollar does trade below 111. What's your view? Yeah, it's been quite range-bound, actually. Uh, and it goes back to the old story 
Um, the Fed may be cutting rates and uh, the US economy may have slowed down. But as we said on a number of occasions in these podcasts, it's very hard for the euro to rise when you know your base rate in the eurozone is minus a half percent. You've negative bond yields in a lot of European countries. Uh, and it's interesting, ever since the ECB moved to negative interest rates, which is over five years ago now, um, the euro has hardly ever moved above 120 and certainly not on a, on a sustained basis against the dollar. So I think it's fair to say that it, even though the Fed's cutting rates and the US economy has slowed down, um, the persistence of negative interest rates in the eurozone remains a dead weight around the currency. So we have seen, uh, as you said, the exchange rate trade around 111 has been down, 110, 119. I think we're probably looking at a continuing narrowing trading range for you know the euro against the dollar. We're probably looking at 192, maybe 112, 113. We're towards the middle of that range. There's no sign of breaking out. Uh, and as such, you know, range trading probably remains the uh, Hudson prospect for, 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 the, for the euro against the dollar. I say sterling is a different animal in the sense that you know there's a lot of uncertainty out there about the election and about how what shape Brexit will take. So it can move up and down in response to those opinion polls, etc. So it's likely to prove much more volatile than the euro against the dollar. Okay. Thank you, Wally, as always, for your very insightful commentary. And thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you wish to stay up to date on the markets and Brexit, please press the subscribe button to AAB's Market Talk on the podcast apps for iOS or Android. Speak to you all next week. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of AIB Market Talk. Allied Irish Bank's PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. First Trust Bank is a trademark of AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. Allied Irish Bank GB and Allied Irish Bank GB Savings Direct are trademarks used under licence by AIB Group UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.